Welcome to Arson, a magical audio drama storytelling experience. Arson contains swearing, allusions to sexual themes, as well as themes of violence. Thank you and enjoy this episode of Arson. Life isn't always fair. In fact, most of the time, it is incredibly unfair. It can force you to the ground and kick you while you're down. It can help you up only to drop you flat on your face over and over and over again until you feel like you have nothing left. But life can also be amazing, beautiful, and full of magic. You just have to know where to look. I found magic in the most unexpected of places. I found the magic within myself. I knew what I was getting myself into. But this isn't my story. Dear Diary, Miserable didn't even begin to cover it. It had been five days since the funeral and I haven't had one meaningful conversation since I left New York. Each person I came across on the streets of my hometown had the, the comforting steps down to a science. It's almost like there was a class that everyone attended titled, So, you want to comfort a grieving person? And everyone knew it down to the letter. I must have missed that day. They'd stop, let out an audible, Oh, and then tilt their head slightly to the left and nod while saying one of the following phrases. I'm so sorry for your loss. You're such a strong girl. Or my personal favorite. How are you handling it? They'd place one hand on my upper arm and gently caress it as if that's where it hurts. No, of course, you're right. Both of my parents were just burned alive in a house fire, but my tricep is absolutely killing me. They're all the same. Women in kneeling skirts and matching jackets. They're wearing those stupid decorative hats that have bird's nests on them because somebody one time thought that that was a good idea. And now every woman over the age of 40 in this insubstantial little town has one. The men all wear t-shirts tucked into jean shorts with the stupid sandals and socks. <laughs> if you were to listen to a conversation that the residents of these... this stupid town has daily, you'd hear the same thing, day in and day out, because nothing ever changed. And nothing ever would. Here I was, in the armpit of Ohio in January, trying to put my life back together, and these fair-weather Christians keep coming up to me, assuming that they know me, pretending to care about my loss, as if they hadn't just bad-mouthed my entire family at last month's book club. Thank you, I'd say. I appreciate it. And I'm handling it just fine. What else could I say? 
Actually, I feel like I'm drowning in a sea of imposters and my life vest just deflated. I want to rip out my heart and replace it with something impenetrable so that maybe, just maybe, I could have one night of peace without this gut-wrenching wave of guilt crushing me until I can't breathe. But why would I tell them that? When I can barely admit it to myself. I hadn't been in this town for years, and yet I felt as if I didn't miss a thing. The same bitches are sitting in the same coffee shop window snickering at everyone who walks by. The manly men are washing their big trucks pretending that they're not compensating for their inability to sexually satisfy their partners. The high school lets out and the kids leave the building to have sex by the dumpster and smoke in the parking lot. This town was a cesspool of everything I have always hated about Americans. They were never like them, though. My parents. They always kept their distance from the gossip and the stupidity of the population. Even after their countless attempts to suck them in, my parents made it very clear that who they were and what they believed in didn't align with the others in this town. They were always the outsiders. The ones who would be snickered about and stared at as they walked down the streets, but now that they're dead, it's like they were everyone's best friend. Or maybe that's just the town's way of absolving themselves of any guilt they felt after the news broke. Yeah, probably that one. They all came to the funeral, they all sent flower arrangements, and they all recited religious passages about how they're in a better place now with him. <laughs> Which only solidified my assumption that these people knew nothing about my parents. Because if they did, they would have known that they had no religious beliefs. In fact, the whole concept made them laugh, almost as much as the bird's nest hats. It's amazing what some distance can do for you. I look completely different than I did when I lived here. Or at least I like to think I do. My body actually changed in a few ways since their judgmental eyes last surveyed me. I added four tattoos, a few song lyrics that I loved, and a phrase, all the world's a stage. Shakespeare. My family had read his plays to me as a child. Their personal favorite was A Midsummer Night's Dream. You know, the magic, the fairies, the true love. Billy Shakes had it all. Each tattoo has a deeper and personal meaning. I'm not some crazed, inked-up girl who got tattoos to profess my undying love to Satan. Although I could have fooled the holier-than-thou occupants of my small town. When they got a glimpse of any of my ink, they exhaled sharply through their nose and said... How exotic. I tried really hard not to pay attention to their words, knowing in my heart that they were empty, but sometimes things just got through my shield. Like when Sherry from down the street said, If only they were involved in city affairs. They would have been at the town meeting and not at home when the fire started. I'd spent enough time around these people to know a passive-aggressive comment when I heard one. As if being a member of their elusive club would have saved their lives? Screw that! The funeral was depressing. 
closed casket, of course. I was told my parents could only be identified by some leftover DNA after the fire. It took three hours for the fire department to put it out and get inside. They were long gone by then. Nothing but ash. Apparently the fire started in the kitchen due to some faulty gas line, but by the time the smoke woke them up, it was engulfing the stairs and there was no way out. Officer Mazis Rathmore sat me down and talked me through it, but there wasn't much to tell. They're dead. I didn't need to know any details beyond that, just that they were alive one minute and gone the next. Life's weird like that. And life was weird. But what Orly Faye Sharp didn't know was that things were about to get a whole lot stranger. After all, she is my daughter. Thank you for listening. Today's episode was written by Nicole Tuttle and edited by Mariah Clausen, featuring the vocal talents of Nicole Tuttle, Mike Crawford, Jay Ortiz, Tal Manier, and Mimi Brown. Arson was edited by Brad Colbrook, Griffin Coldiron, and Mariah Clausen, and featured the music of John Bartman. And I'm Sophia Derisi. Want to stay up to date on all things Arson? Follow our social media for more information about upcoming episodes at Arson Audio on Twitter. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting site and leave a review. Until next time, listeners. <laughs>